Yes, good morning. My name is Mo H., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Sugar Addict in Walnut Creek, California. And I have the privilege of introducing uh, a dear, dear friend. I met her on, uh, on a phone, phone meetings. And then I got to meet her in person at the OALA birthday party last year. And you're going to be amazed with her story. She has an outstanding story and long, long, long term in the program. And with that, I'm going to introduce Mary. Good morning, Mary. Oh, good morning, Mo. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Wonderful. I guess everything is working today. How blessed to have been preceded by that wonderful meditation. And... Um, I would like to uh, start by qualifying during the meditation. Of course, I just said those words that I always say before I share, before I speak, before I do a ninth step, and that is God, give me the words. So the first words that my higher power is giving me is kudos. And it's a silly word, and it doesn't say enough to all those people who took this conference from a wonderful, I'm sure a lovely, comfortable hotel in Oakland, California, to this brand new technology called Zoom, and have put on a conference for an entire weekend. And I just think you have done a great job. It has just been wonderful. I am going to qualify, begin, I am Mary B, uh, known in vision as Mary A.B. because there are so many Mary B's on that line. And I am a recovered compulsive eater. There was a little bit of a mistake in this blurb that was given uh, in, the, uh, um, in some of the materials that we received because it says uh, often one of the last members standing at the end of the convention, abstinence countdowns. And that's not quite right. It's not the abstinence countdowns, although I'm coming on to 15 years, which I am so grateful for. I came to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, November 6, 1962. Yep, 58 years. <laughs> Unbelievable. I know. I know. And I'm so grateful that my higher power has kept me in these rooms all these years. Um, I'm finally, in, oh, I, I had a plan uh, for my share today. And I was taking notes during the week and writing them down in a notebook. And this morning I picked up that notebook and I was reading them and I thought, wonder what I meant by that. Oh, Gee, what did I mean by that? <laughs> so I'm going to do what I always do. I'm just throwing myself out there. Um, the other words that came to me from my higher power was a vision of hope. And that's what I'd like to present today. I've heard quite, I've been listening to the uh, speakers all weekend, except for one shop, uh, workshop that was put on by a friend of mine. And I hear a lot of people, especially the questions, people who are just starting their abstinence over, coming back from relapse. So my story will tell you um, 
before you is someone who would um, win an award from Overeaters Anonymous for being the biggest screw up in this program. But we don't give awards. If anybody's new out there, no, 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 no OA awards. And that even that person can find recovery, can become recovered and live the very best life. And so I know one of the reasons I was asked to share today was because of my time in the rooms. And uh, yes, I, I was blessed that I came into Overeaters Anonymous when I was living in West Los Angeles. And so I went to that very first meeting that Roseanne started upstairs in an office building. One of the members let us use his office for our meeting. And um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I do want to share that I have been fat all my life. Weight was an issue for me all my life. The last picture that was taken of me at a fairly normal weight, I was age three. At age 12, I know I weighed 185 pounds because I was supposed to stand up at a wedding as um, um, at a cousin's wedding in Chicago. And um, they canceled me. They had to take the size 18 dress down to a size 12 for whoever was replacing me. And I want to share that because I do believe that those of us who experience that childhood of being teased and serenaded, I was always serenaded, we don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me, and fatty, fatty, two by four, can't fit through the kitchen door. And um, that leaves some special scars, I believe. And um, as I grew up, um, I was never put on a diet. My parents never put me on a diet. And I'm not going to go too much into my family because I have such a long story. <laughs> I uh, just celebrated my 83rd birthday. So uh, I came into OA when I was 25 years old. And like I shared with Mo, I literally grew up in these rooms. Thought I knew it all when I got here. But um, in junior high and high school, I had a very best friend, my best friend, Beth, who was beautiful. And she had a great figure. My mother used to say that my friend Beth was the one with the million dollar figure and the penny brain. And I was smart. So um, she was the beauty and I was the brain. And, and we had a wonderful relationship through junior high and high school. My mother had also told me at some time uh, when she was serving one of her wonderful homemade desserts, as she was cutting and serving it, Marianne will lose weight when she gets interested in boys. And mothers are always right, right? So yes, when I got into junior high and high school, I began the process of binging and starving. And I would 
pick something like the Blitz diet, which was eating the same thing three times a day, and I would lose weight. Once I lost it so fast that uh, when I stood up off of our couch and went to walk across the room, my legs collapsed under me. So that began a process of attempting to keep my weight down. And I stayed down to what I called my normal overweight. My best friend always weighed, we were the same height. We were very tall girls. Marilyn Monroe was very popular at the time. So we were both bleached blondes. And um, she would weigh 140 and I would weigh about 155, and go to 160 and starve myself down a little bit. But I could never get all the way down. And um, when I was still in high school, I met my first husband. And um, he was a mean guy. Um, he was a good guy, but a mean guy. And that was okay with me. I agreed to marry him because I was going to fix him. And so I was married very young. I was 18 when we got married. I had just graduated from high school. And um, it wasn't the um, marriage that I had painted a picture of. And I kept trying to fit this person into that image of what my husband was supposed to be. And I figured that if I couldn't just fix it by myself, maybe having some kids would do it. And I, had, I was a product of the 50s, the 40s and the 50s, and had been raised to believe that a girl gets married and has kids, keeps the home, the husband goes to work, and uh, that was just the dream life. And I had that. And I thought that was the life for me. But once I got married and started having uh, my sons, I had to be an adult. And even though through most of my life, I always thought I was an old soul. I was um, never related to the kids in, in like in high school. My boyfriends were not in high school. I had a boyfriend in the Marines and a boyfriend in the Navy, and that was during Korea. And uh, yeah, at the same time. But um, I, I always felt older, older, more mature. I was always more mature, and I, I thought I was very wise. But the responsibility of being a wife and mother uh, showed me otherwise. And the my disease began to progress. Of course, I got thin to get married. But once I was married, it began. I, I bought a trousseau in Westwood and in Westwood Village. And um, by the time I came back from my 10 day honeymoon, I could not fit into my clothes. And um, so the, the disease was progressing rapidly. I could not control my weight. I hid everything that was going on in my household. 
um, I hid the fact that I was married to someone who was uh, physically abusive and emotionally abusive. I overheard him on the phone one day talking to a friend and saying, I don't know how Mary gets fat. She never eats anything. And, uh, but I was still able to, to diet somewhat. So um, when the eating got to a point where I really was out of control, I was terrified of myself, what I was doing with the food, and I could not understand what was going on. Um, I had had my third baby, my third son. He was six months old. The only person I ever talked to about what was going on with me and the food and my weight was my best friend, Beth, who never had to go on a diet in her life. She had a shop in Santa Monica, a, um, a shop, and one of her customers had mentioned that there was this new program called Overeaters Anonymous, and nobody had ever heard of that. But, and I have no idea how I found the meeting. Uh, she probably found out from her, um, from her customer. And uh, on the first week of November, 1962, I did wait until after Halloween. I walked into this room feeling that I was walking into another diet club, that I, all I wanted was to learn how to eat, wanted a, the diet that was going to work. And I walked into that room and found this room full of people who with shiny faces, and uh, there were two women, there was a leader and a speaker. One of the women had lost 80 pounds. The other had lost over 100 pounds. And um, I, I was just so caught up. In that meeting, there was an adorable little lady who shared that she had lost 65 pounds. I may have heard that she was the founder of Overeaters Anonymous. I don't know. I don't remember. All I cared about was that she had lost 65 pounds. And I wanted to know how she did it. And I wanted to do what she did. So I asked her to sponsor me, and she did. And um, the program was very raw at the time. We didn't have literature. We didn't have books. We, um, we did turn to Alcoholics Anonymous. We didn't have our experience, strength, and hope. It was only a little over two years old. And so we turned to AA. AA people came some uh, to help us, like um, Chuck C., who wrote uh, a new pair of glasses, and Clancy, and so many who came to our meetings, some led our workshops. We went to them, we went to their meetings, but all the time, this was an um, inspiration to me. I, I'm going to try to fast forward a little bit. I was always inspired by what I was hearing from Alcoholics Anonymous. We, um, I moved away from Roseanne and Roseanne's group and I moved to the San Fernando Valley and we went through quite a growing experience with those things called food plans. And that war was on and I got into it a little bit and I, I tried that and um, 
that didn't work for me in the beginning. So um, in my first 10 years, I left the program two times. The second time when I came back was in 1970, must be 1970, I swore that no matter what happened, no matter where my weight was, up, down, whether I was eating, not eating, no matter what, I would never leave these rooms again, and I never have. Uh, I came into OA with 17 pounds to lose. I lost 21. Um, a number of relapses. Uh, I eventually reached 210 pounds, and I am now an 80-pound loser. And I've been maintaining that weight for uh, almost 15 years. Now, there was a lot of time in between where I had periods of abstinence. It, it was such a long time that for me, the most important thing was finding the right way to eat. And for me, for so many years, I used this program as a diet with group support. And then we started having the study groups when, when we would study the book. And I studied the book, the big book study. I joined all those meetings. I did all of that. I um, connected with people in program who I felt were spiritual, who worked a spiritual program because I wanted what they had. I realized that abstinence was not enough but I had no idea to get from there to there. And um, we, we always worked where we were. If I was abstinent, I felt I could help somebody who was abs uh, help somebody get abstinent. If I had worked the first three steps, I'm doing the, what we call the OA walls, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. I could take somebody through the first three steps, but I, um, I needed, I needed to find that magic, that something that I knew some people had in these rooms. And I was very close. I was very close. All of my relationships, eventually, all of my friendships, my relationships were program people. And as a matter of fact, before I moved from the Valley, I was in a book club and the club, we had nine members, seven of us were from program. We knew each other from program, either from Overeaters Anonymous or some of us had gone to some of the, um, some of the sister groups, the sister groups that broke off from OA with food plans. And I did need a structured and disciplined program. And so after 25 years in Overeaters Anonymous, I did move to what was then Overeat OA How and um, followed that food plan. It worked for me. It still works for me. I don't have any uh, how meetings I'm in. Oh, wait, I consider myself an international member of Overeaters Anonymous. I will go to any meeting 
anywhere I have traveled. I've traveled a lot. And I have always taken the program. I have always found a meeting of some kind. I don't care what. It's A. <laughs> it's OA. It's how. It's Grayfeed. It's, I mean, there are so many now. And I will go. And, um, and I have learned so much from every one of them. I have not regretted one single moment or experience that I've had in these rooms. I know what works for me. I will try to tell you quickly because <laughs> just the time, how I got where I am today. And I had uh, reached my top weight of 185 pounds in mid 1980s. And I had lost part of it, couldn't lose all of it. And I approached a friend of mine who had, was a down and dirty binger like me. And she had lost a lot of weight, put it all back on, lost it again. And I asked her what made the difference? Because you know, one day you're binging, your brain's out, food's going, the next day you're abstinent. What made the difference for her? And she said she just kept praying for the willingness. And I heard that and I said, yeah, you know, praying for the willingness. I know that one and I can do that. And I got in my car and I started driving. And I thought, just pray for the willingness. Just pray for the willingness. And then all of a sudden I heard a voice. And this voice said, Mary, if you wait until you think you are willing, you will be 300 pounds. And I turned my car around and I went to the store and I made sure I had the abstinent food. I certainly know what that was. And I went home, called my sponsor, a sponsor, new sponsor, I don't remember. I just got abstinent. And I realized then that God never shoved the food into my mouth. I could pray all day long, God, stop me, stop me, stop me. Wasn't going to. My sponsor call has referred to uh, her abstinence as her covenant with God. I didn't even know what a covenant was. But today I know that becoming abstinent and staying abstinent is saying to God every day, I want this. God, this is what I want. Now, my abstinence for years has always been three meals a day, nothing in between. I'm addicted to sugar and flour. Um, my food plan has changed. It changes with knowledge. It changes with experience. It changes with health. And um, at 83, I have to tell you, I take absolutely no medication. Uh, I am in great health um, and very grateful for that. A doctor once told me it's not the food. I didn't believe him. I know that it is. And um, so my, my abstinence has changed. And even today, even with 14, almost 15 years, when I prepare my food in the morning, there are days when I say, God, I'm not sure that this is exactly what you would have me do or how you want me to eat, 
but this seems right to me today. Uh, and so if you want me to do something else, you better show me what. And I know that I will be led if I need to change. But today I am totally free of any desire to eat the food. Now, I, I'd like to get to, um, I'd like to get to my entry into my main program today, which I know you've heard from many speakers through this weekend, which is a vision for you. I had nine years, a little over nine years of back-to-back -back abstinence. I was at my goal weight. I was a sponsor. I was a sp uh, sponsored, of course, I had a sponsor and sponsees. Um, I was going to meetings. I was living in the San Fernando Valley. You know how it is. You can three a day, four a day, <laughs> every day, seven days a week going to a lot of meetings and giving service. Service, I'd I could spend the whole hour talking about the importance of service, because service is always so important to me, to have some service position somewhere, always. And a sponsee had just mentioned to me about a phone meeting called Vision for You. And I, I was on PhoneBridge. I was on PhoneBridge since PhoneBridge started in the 90s, way back in the day when we had no control over our telephone and um, we had a lot of disruptions and experiences with that. And I said, okay, you know, because I'm always curious about what's going on, what's going on in the program now. So I called that meeting and I heard something that I had not heard in many, many years in the rooms. I can't tell you, I can't explain it. Um, I know it's a very um, intense big book study. Um, the sharing, the recovery, uh, I was really, I, and I still am, that is a meeting that I consider my number one meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I got a, a, you know, I'd worked the steps. I worked the steps many times. I took a fourth step over and over and over again. Every time I did, I, I made more progress. I was progressing. Anybody who knew me at the time would have said, you are recovered, Mary. But I got, got hold of that program, of that meeting. I got a sponsor. They've got something going here that I didn't have, and I want it. So I got a vision sponsor. We went through the book to page 164, all the way through from the beginning to 164. And I was, used that dirty word that I could never use before, recovered. Now, I hear now, I'm, of course, I, I got sponsees, I started to sponsor and sponsor the way we sponsor in a vision for you. I still do. I will not sponsor anyone any other way. 
Um, I got a sponsor and we went through it. I sponsored. Today, I hear people ask, in fact, I heard it today, just today on the phone, somebody said, I am recovered, how do I sponsor? Well, my sponsor took me through the book, paragraph by page by page, we did it page by page. The meeting does it paragraph by paragraph. Just a couple of days a week, if we had three days, we gave it three days. We went through page by page. She read a page, stopped to comment if something came off that page that, that triggered something for her. And then I read the page and I shared on something that may have triggered for me. By the way, I also hear people all the time saying, well, I didn't know that was in the book. I've gone through the book so many times. I didn't know that was there. And my sponsor once said to me, you are in a different place. You are in a different place every time you go through that book. And so something else will have meaning to you. Now, I don't understand. I don't quite understand the question. How do I sponsor from someone who was just sponsored and just became recovered? I do exactly what my sponsor did. And that's what I do. I mean, it is so simple. Now, I know not everybody, in, even in vision, not everybody does it the same. I talk to people all the time who said, oh, my sponsor didn't do that. My sponsor did this. Well, that's fine. That worked for you. This worked for me. That might have worked for me, too. You know, it just doesn't matter. God is in charge. God is in charge of this program. Every bit of it. My higher power today is in charge of my food. You know, that wonderful meditation um, hour that we spent before this hour. I know that one problem that I have that I hear a lot from a lot of other people too, is that during meditation, you get this chatter. The head just takes off, mine does. It takes off sometimes and it just goes nuts. And my sponsor leads a meditation on the phone every morning, half hour and a couple of days a week. She goes for an hour. And there's about 20 of us on the line in the morning meditating together, silent, silent meditation. And you can just feel the power on that line. And, my, and I talked to my sponsor one day and I said, God, my head just, you know, in fact, this last week, it was rehearsing my share today. She said, God is in charge of your meditation too, Mary. And that, you know, my sponsor has a, um, uh, her license plate says, go within. And that is what I have learned. When I came into program, I had that scary, punishing God. That's all I had ever been told growing up. God will punish you. God will punish you. Somebody, I hope, will let me know when my time is up. And I had to change my concept. I had to learn to trust. 
I, ha I came a long, long way. There, um, I think that trusting part was a really hard, uh, hardest thing for me and probably took me the longest. I had to pull that higher power out of the, up there and bring him within. And today I know my life, these last few years and last two and a half years, my husband, who is 95 and has lost his vision, but is otherwise in great, great health, thank you, God. My, I have become a caretaker. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> when I, my head is just saying, what about all those things that you wanted to share about how, how many things, how you have learned to pray and meditate and uh, live, live one day at a time. I can't say that I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams today because I would not have dreamt of my husband losing his vision. We were very active people. We traveled a lot. We were going on a cruise every year. Somebody asked me, how can you go on cruises, Mary? It's all food and drink. My answer was my higher power loves cruising, loves cruising so much that he's on that dang ship before I even get to the parking lot. And that's kind of the way it is for me today. I know that no matter what, my higher power is there. The only thing I need to keep in check is me. There's a saying, I know I have another binge, but I don't think I have another recovery. Well, I used to say that. In fact, I used to say a lot of things I don't say anymore. But I know that my higher power is always there for me for any, any time I need anything. I don't pray anymore. I just say, thank you, God. But what I don't know is if I let go of what I have today, how long it will take me to get back in the fold of those loving arms. That's what I don't know. And that healthy fear keeps, helps me. I don't think about those things all the time, believe me. Um, a day at a time that I could be where I am today under these conditions uh, we moved here a little over a year ago to be closer to my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I can't see them. I can't be with them. And it's acceptance. I wanted to read. I'm going to close. I think I am out of time. Am I out of time? Will somebody tell me? I just want to read. To, is there anybody there? <laughs> Okay, <laughs> thank you, I hear a giggle. A couple of sentences on page 164 of the big book that tells me how simple this program is and how I spent so many years complicating it, making it so hard for myself. And one of those sentences is on page 164, vision for you, See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass. 
doesn't say to see to it that my relationship with my husband is right or my relationship with my children is right or my neighbors or my friends or even my sponsor, my sponsor. Put God first. And the sentence up above and paragraph above where it says, your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how. He will show you how. And that's all. I have just been picked up by the scruff of my neck and planted exactly where I was supposed to be. I am so grateful today for everything I have, for everything I am because of that higher power, because of that power within, because the way I find it and keep it is taking those steps, one through 12, and giving it away, as I hope, <laughs> I hope I have given someone hope today. And um, I just thank you very much. Thank you, Suzanne, for asking me. And thank you, everyone, for the opportunity to be of service today.